0: Welcome uh, to the Private Capital Talent Series, and this is Episode Five with uh, Jeff Solomon from Paddock Capital Markets and Reinberger PFA. And uh, we're looking at what to watch for in fund administration and consolidation. And Jeff, can you get us started and let us know <clears throat> about yourself and about uh, Paddock Capital Markets? I imagine a lot of folks that signed up uh, already know the answer to those questions, but if you can. All those
1: sure. are fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, thanks, Chris. So, Jeff Solomon. So, I'm one of, of uh, two co-founders of Paddock Capital Markets. Uh, we are a middle market investment bank. Uh, my background is in consulting and investment banking. Uh, before I started Paddock with uh, my business partner Bill Salus, um, I worked at Mullison Company and before that, uh, Bank of America and Merrill Lynch um, in their M&A group. So my background really is doing deal execution um, kind of large and small, you know, particularly when I was at MOLA, I did a lot of sell side um, middle market M&A. So in many cases, it was an asset that was owned by a financial sponsor. Um, we would take it to uh, a broad auction and we would, would, would sell it. So um that's sort of been my background when i met bill uh, you know bill who has a very different background to me than me uh came from fund administration an executive at uh, apex fund services and a few other places before that um when we met he was a consultant doing strategic advisory work for a lot of these big fund admins um and i think that we had this vision of you know well this is a very fragmented market with a lot of activity it'd be great to be doing MA in that space. Um, you know. But Bill, having a background as an executive, didn't necessarily um, know all the ins and outs of MA. and in my background, obviously, of doing m execution, I kind of complimented him very, very well. So we had the vision to start PETA Capital Markets, which is actually a sister company of Peta Consultancy, which was his uh, original consulting firm. Um, so we started out squarely focused, uh, and this is better, this is in February of 2021. So um, we started out, Kind of squarely focused on fund admin. Um, we did our first deal when we sold straight to San back in April of 2021. Um, and then kind of since then, we've been off to the races. We've continued to um, service the fund admin space uh, from an advisory perspective, but we also uh, have found adjacent markets to fund admin. You know, that'd be corporate services, private wealth, um, and then financial technology, which has been um, obviously a, a, a massive uh, and very, very hot industry as well. So, um you know, I think uh through that time we've now closed four different um transactions um and we have a, n- a number of different ones in our pipeline today. So um anyway, I'm happy to answer any questions anyone has about paddock um or just in general. Excellent.
0: Um and to, to 2021, I, I remember seeing the lists of um acquisitions um which still seem to be running hot and fast. Can you if we focus on fund services, can you Talk about what's happening uh, now uh, here in June and, um, and what's that, what is that
1: looking like? Yeah, so I mean, since, since we've been uh, been in business, you know, which is about the last year and a half, I mean, it's been a highly, highly active space, um, particularly 2021, um, you know, we just saw deals kind of up and down uh, the food chain. Um, but I think you know, one of the th- things that, that kind of ties them all together is that largely they've been very much strategic driven, when we've uh, had any of our sell-side processes, in many cases we've included financial sponsors. But um, just kind of the nature of of the businesses and kind of what people are looking for um, as far as you know achieve, achieving revenue synergies, um, strategics, particularly the ones that are sponsored back that have a lot of capital behind them, tend to win out uh, at the end of the day. Um, so it's been highly active, um, and you know I think I, I would say I don't necessarily see it slowing down, although. Obviously, there's a lot of things to talk about with um, you know, the macro um, trends and potentially heading into recession you know, and kind of what that would look like for the, the fund admin space. But I would say you know, up until today, at least, it's been um, very, very solid.
0: Excellent, I think we'll be coming back to that um, point about sponsors and how that might be changing or not. <clears throat> and so you also serve uh, tech companies in private capital. Can you tell us what you're seeing there are fund administrators um, uh, buying private capital tech companies is there um, it's a bit corny in my own script too but is there a drive to become uh, the one ring to control them all um, in, in technology or is it still you know early innings in terms of where tech is headed in private capital
1: yeah you know the the, the fund admins are are trying more and more to get more tech savvy, and Add more technology to their service offering. You know, I think that in many ways that that increases their value proper proposition to their clients. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say that they're definitely definitely circling around looking at technology as a you know, potential investment, as something to buy potentially. There's some, I think, and I don't necessarily agree with it 100%, but I do think there is some hesitation from admin to potentially own. A piece of technology that they would then be selling to other admins there might be some sort of competitive um, issues there that you know they think they might lose clients that way but you know i I don't know that's necessarily the case because there are large tech companies that have other tech companies as clients so it's not necessarily a a big concern that we see but you know i think that is some hesitation uh that being said i mean look, uh, these companies in many cases are also flush with cash they're looking for places to deploy it i think that right now we're in kind of an unusual cycle in the fintech space because of you, know, you look at 2020 2021 valuations have been just astronomical and i think that um you know i don't know that those are going to be supported down the road and i think that when you look at fund admins they're going to be a little bit more disciplined with how they're deploying their capital like, do they want to spend you know 50 times revenue to invest in some small tech startup that you know they really like the software but you know you don't know where it's going to go or is it better to just simply buy a smaller fund admin where you can get a lot of synergies and you kind of roll that into the larger machine. Um, So I think there's definitely interest there, um, but it hasn't really come to full fruition at this point. Excellent. So then um, the next question,
0: going back to the uh, one ring to control them all, um, when you have let's say Fund Administrator A or Fund Services Firm A um, has just acquired B and C and B and C have different tech stacks, I realize that, that your process is you know, before and into transaction as opposed to post. Um, but even in this of due diligence, and again, again, I imagine technology is a smaller part of the consideration. Um, what are you seeing in terms of acquisitions and trying to rationalize and integrate different tech stacks that a fund administrator might have?
1: Yeah, so I think every situation is different, um, but it's important to think about the big picture in terms of what the tech roadmap is going to look like down the road. Um, and you know, the most important thing when you are integrating these technologies is to not disrupt the client, right? So. Um, depending on how um, you know, one administrator uses technology with one client, you gotta make sure that there's, there's continuity there and there's a plan of how you're gonna transition to you know, potentially a new service offering on the tech side, if, if that's what the right answer is. Um, but I think that you know, every, every deal now, we're seeing more focus on the data and data coming from different systems and how you aggregate that data together to actually create useful and valuable reports that your clients can use. So it's more about the data itself and that's what the clients care about. And It's less about kind of the means of how they get that data. So as long as your technology approach can keep that intact um, through an, a transaction, then I think that you're going to be okay. Um, but it is definitely something to think about when you do due diligence on on a company. I mean, you know, there are certain costs associated with um, transitioning uh, over to another technology, but you know, it, it's like it's a one-time cost that you can kind of absorb and, and write off down the road. So, um, but I don't know, Ryan, if you had any thoughts on that as well. Ryan,
2: yeah, up. I I think I I completely agree. Uh, well, M and A market is hot in the fund admin space. Uh, we we actually have some fund admin clients that have been acquired by another fund admin that then got bought by another fund admin. So there's a, certainly a hot hot market right now, and technology is a huge part of the operations of a fund admin. And you know when there is an acquisition in an ideal state. It would be great for the buyer's solutions to complement the sellers and the seller solutions to complement the buyers. In reality, it's there's a lot of duplication. Uh, they might be using the same systems, but setting them up differently, or they might have completely different software solutions. So post-acquisition, we've seen a number of different models. The first is leave everything as is, let the New acquired company run independently, use all the same solutions they were doing before. I think there's pros and cons with that. It goes with your point, Jeff, on not disrupting the client at all because you're staying the course. The second, but then there's cons with that. The The second option is figuring out where you can rationalize things and normalize and use the best of both worlds. Pros and cons with that because you have to migrate data over, general ledger data as historical information, especially on a private equity venture capital side on the closed end. It's an enormous amount of effort to migrate over from one system to the other on the GL side. There's other things that might be easier, uh, like CRMs, LP portal. You still need to make sure that LPs have the right paths if, you, if you're if you switching up LP portals, but that is the second, second model where you, you begin to start to transition into a strategic strategic approach across all the systems the third thing that we're seeing is picking and choosing which um which solutions are best on an ongoing basis so any new clients that come on board you get this general ledger you get this lb portal you get this crm get this analytics platform all of that so we're seeing that as well and then another option there that we're seeing on that uh, or a variation of the third option is letting the clients choose the solutions so our fund admin clients will sometimes show our system firm view to their potential clients and they'll also show another vendor system or they might show something that they built homegrown to their their clients and let the clients decide what to use so there's a there's certainly a lot of decision making when there is an acquisition especially with the fund admins that are buying a lot of different vendors than or a lot of different other fund admins, then they're, they have even bigger decisions on how, what to do with all these different systems across all the fund admins that they're purchasing.
1: Yeah, and one thing I would add is, you know, it's unfortunate that it's not a higher priority, I think, especially in the near term, to come up with, a, with that technology roadmap post acquisition. In many cases, at least the deals that, that we've seen, you know, there might be an earnout component or some sort of deferred component to the purchase price, which means you know you're basically making you're, you're aligning this in as such that the target is going to be focused on achieving that earnout versus you know coming up with what's the best technology solution and working on you know to integrate technology and integrate as fast as possible. Rather, going to be focused on you know achieving some revenue target or some EBITDA target, and you know they. I would say this whole thing kind of gets punted down the road, unfortunately. So um, maybe it's something to think about, you know, when buyers are structuring deals, is you know, if the earnout is too too difficult or too lengthy, you know, you might distract from potentially you know other areas where you can save costs by integrating technology.
0: That makes sense. And if I come back to a point you made, Ryan, about um, not disrupting the client. As well as the uh, data uh, being able to being data centric as opposed to gP centric Ryan um, in our past webcast we've talked a lot about carried interest and compensation, and you mentioned um, um, firmview. can you give us a little more detail about uh, if we're, if we're thinking about you know PFA for instance um, what firmview is, is as
2: a whole Sure sure. Uh, so Firmview has multiple offerings. The first is the carried interest co-investment compensation component. And the second is performance management, which is a GP and LP portal. For the first offering, carry and compensation management, it firmview provides a tool for fund managers to track all their employee and partner allocations, vesting schedules, and produce employee statements and other management reporting out of, out of the platform. Clients are also using it for carried interest forecasts, putting in unrealized carried interest, which is the result of the waterfall, as as well as generating distributions right out of the system. Some of our clients are also adding in full compensation, salary, benefits, bonus into the platform, as well as the co-investments where employees are also investing in our capital. So they have this full internal application to track anything related to compensation and incentive plans. The second offering is what we refer to as performance management, and this is an interactive dashboard and analytics platform where we ingest data from fund admins or from fund accounting systems to provide easy access to investor and investment data. We also integrate with other sources as well, have some lightweight portfolio monitoring capabilities and Excel scraping solutions as part of that. And then, as I mentioned earlier, an LP portal where some clients... Uh, saw the dashboards analytics and they saw the the LP or the investor view and said, can we expose this out to our investors? So we deployed and enhanced it to become a full LP portal where contacts of investors can pull down documents as well as access some of that dashboarding capabilities. That's so this is perfect because
0: um, that that point that Jeff made about uh, not disrupting the client. Um, in our last webcast uh, with Melanie Cohen, and then before that with Kwame Lewis of TMF Group, um, they were talking about how difficult there's a bit of a talent crunch right now, um, and you're trying to hold on to folks, but there's a certain amount of churn that you're going to have. So, what you've described in terms of um, carrying compensation and with firm view. Is is there is there a corollary, or is there is there a something that goes in, um, in right next to what Jeff said about don't disrupt the client, don't disrupt the internal team, especially if there's a talent crunch. Is there a secondary point there that's important? Sure,
2: sure. There's there's really two ways that that at least the carry management module addresses that particular question. The first is making things easier for CFO, COO, head of finance to manage all this data so that there's improved controls, efficiencies, better analytics for for them to provide to senior management. So it makes their day-to-day processes easier. The second component is addressing that and providing a better client experience to the employees and the partners, being able to provide Data on all their compensation, all their carried interest, how much is their carry awarded or worth right now? How much could it be worth in the future? So providing that transparency to the employees so that they can see what things are, are worth today, what things what their carried interest awards can be worth you know, down the road, and then providing that in a nice statement format or even online access through an employee portal. So we, we've heard from a lot of clients that they want to get ahead of any attrition by providing that better experience to their employees. And then even some that have said that they feel that employees have made poor decisions because they weren't fully educated on what their carried interest and other incentive plans meant to them, and that they they left the firm without without all of those details. They left for compensation reasons, even though their their overall awards could have been much greater than they expected. So they've come to us and said, you know, what's the educational aspect? Because we want to make sure that employees understand these rewards fully before they make make a decision for compensation reasons. Perfect. Okay. So then, Jeff, if I come back to you and back to our headline,
0: um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned sponsors and how that role may or may not change in in acquisition and consolidation. What do you see for the folks that are listening in right now and uh, they need to, well, they don't have to, but uh, folks ask uh, what they heard on the webcast. um, Are there particular takeaways you'd give about what to look for in the next six months?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, from a macro level, the alternative space is still very attractive. You know, it's, it's massive, it's growing, you know, double digit top line. I think that That's only going to continue, especially with the market volatility right now in public equities and fixed income. I mean, I think that the the days of, hey, you do 60, 40 allocations here and, you know, you hope for the best Uh, when you retire. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to continue forever. And I think people are are seeking alternative places to put their their money. And, you know, I think inflation being what it is right now just kind of further exacerbates that. So from a macro kind of demand perspective on the alt space, I think that's still intact. Now, I mean... Clearly, I think that, you know, rising interest rates, um, you know, high inflation, um, potential for unemployment to rise here, I mean, all of those are, are negative, um, you know, headwinds in the market. So, you know, we're going to have to wait and see sort of how this whole thing plays out. I think that that hurts standalone sponsors kind of further, um, unfortunately, just because it rises their, their cost of borrowing, um, and they can't really add synergies to a lot of these deals, unless they might have a, a separate portfolio company that they could potentially look at um, some sort of combination with or maybe there's you know cross referrals or, uh, with that sort of thing. But largely I think what's gonna continue are is strategic MA. So you know it's a, a company that you know clearly can be acquired by a larger company that there you know can be some level of you know back office savings consolidation on essentially the tech side, but then more importantly the revenue side if there's other opportunities for revenue synergies. I think that will continue to be intact on, on the fund admin space. Um, kind of pivoting when you think about the fintech market, Um, you know, fintech, at least from where we sit, you know, we're largely, you know, a lower middle market. We're doing less M&A and more kind of on on the capital raising side. I do think that valuations will come down on that a a, a bit just because they're coming from such frothy levels before. Um, Clearly the the unicorns out there will continue to, you know, get very, very, very high premium valuations, but um, I think a lot of the smaller startups, you know, the series A, series B, you're, you're probably going to start seeing um, a little bit of compression on those multiples. And I think that's just largely because there are going to be fewer VC, VC funds out there that are going to be willing to put that type of money you know, into that type of value. There's, it's just not proven yet. So um, I think that's going to, you know, that, that's probably temporary as the market, you know, potentially goes into recession and then recovers. So, you know, we'll see where we are, you know, in a couple of years. But yeah, I would say that that's sort of my, my general take on, on things at this time.
0: And, and are there, um, if you know, a few more webcasts down the line, are, are there any pre- predictions or things you're looking out for uh, that we can return to at a future point? Are there any, um, uh, any signals or, or things you're looking out for in the future that you've got your eye out on? Um, well, I,
1: I will say that there's a number of pretty large Fund admins right now I won't name them, but uh, you know that are probably they're pretty far into their cycle for you know being held by a private equity fund and I think that you're going to see those probably come out into market you know maybe next year but again this kind of depends on you also don't want to be selling into a market that you know is a recession so um, I, there could be some you know, level of pullback there and then maybe pent up demand in the back half of 2023. We'll see. But th- there are a number of those admins I think are, are looking to probably recap here um, in the near future. So I would say that, at least from the fund adm- admin side, that's kind of something to look
0: for. Great. Uh, we have uh, reached the Q&A part of the conversation, and I have uh, two questions in front of me. Um, Question one is uh, on the fundraising side. Uh, this is for you, Jeff. Um, are there particular things, if there are, if there is a recession, that um,
1: potential investors are looking for uh, out of fintech? I mean, the biggest thing is having that recurring revenue stream. You know. A lot of these tech companies, you know, they may have other kind of areas where they can generate revenue and everything, um, but you know, they need to have those kind of license fees, those like you know, contractual recurring revenue year after year after year, and there needs to be kind of that big market um, uh, that kind of supports that. So it's not just you know simply, hey, you're, you're playing in a fifty million dollar market and yeah, you have recurring revenue. It needs to be you know, you're paying playing in a fifty billion dollar market and there's recurring revenue that's growing and you know, it's untapped and that sort of thing. So. Um, you know, I think the, the VCs that we talk to, you know, they always want to find market sizes that are in the multiple billions, not, not millions, these have start with a B. Um, and, and they're always looking at just that recurring contractual license fee revenue, so. Great, sorry, we'll slow the mute button there.
0: And um, um any, this is again for Jeff. Um, do you have uh, any predictions on uh, on which fund? I don't know if you want to answer this or not, on which fund <laughs> administrators uh, may come out on top um, in terms of uh, acquisition and gobbling up the small ones?
1: I mean, you have some very well seasoned acquirers out there. I mean, I think everyone can kind of you know look them up just based on, on the transactions that have been out there. But I mean, you know, obviously Apex continues to uh, buy up lots of stuff. Uh, they recently acquired Maitland Fund Services um, in May. Uh, You know, Waystone has really um, stepped up uh, recently. They they acquired Centaur. Um, So there's a a lot of these guys out there um, and they just continue to find more and more, you know, places to put their money. I I think one thing to look for maybe if you're trying to predict the next ones is, you know, look for the the funds that you may, or sorry, look for the, the fund admins that may have recently Uh, recapped or taken money from a new sponsor that sort of thing because in most of those cases that new sponsor will want to put money to work in the form of M&A so kind of keep that in mind perfect okay
0: that that is it Uh, that's the end of our questions thank you very much uh, Jeff thank you very much uh, Ryan folks uh, stay tuned for the uh, next um, episode we'll be announcing it uh, shortly thank you very much thanks Chris Thank you Chris.